is the Grow Your Clinic podcast from Clinic Mastery. We help progressive health professionals to lead inspired teams, transform client experiences, and build clinics for good. Now, it's time to grow your clinic. Welcome to the Grow Your Clinic podcast. My name is Jack O'Brien, your host for today's episode. Joining me today is Ives Silvera of YS Physio. Ives has been a long-time friend and member of the Clinic Mastery community. And in fact, you can go back and visit the archives to see our original episodes with Ives. In today's episode, we explored the progression of Ives' journey from solo practitioner in the granny flat at his parents' place all the way through to how he navigated COVID, relocating inside another clinic to now his own standalone clinic, the growth and progression that he's had through that time, as well as some of the unique insights that Ives has in and around utilizing students as interns. We covered a lot of ground and Ives' story will be really familiar to a number of you as you listen along. So let's dive into the episode and enjoy as we connect with Ives Silvera of YS Physio. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Grow Your Clinic podcast. My name is Jack, your co-host, and today we've got another clinic owner spotlight story. So I'm really looking forward to exploring the ride that has been Ives Silvera and your clinic. So Ives, welcome back to the podcast. This is your second, maybe third appearance on the podcast. Nevertheless, great to have you with us, mate. How are you today? I'm great, Jack. Thanks for having us back on board. And it's always nice to reflect upon the journey by doing things like this. Mm, There'll be plenty of reflection to be had. And listeners, if you haven't checked out the previous episode with Ives, please make sure you flick back through the archives and do that. Episode 180 was our original case study with Ives would be somewhere around circa 2020. And the journey has progressed a lot since then. But nevertheless, listeners, you can head to clinicmastery.com forward slash podcast for those past episodes, show notes, if you need to get in touch with us, anything like that, clinicmastery.com forward slash podcast. So for those who may not have heard the first episode, or perhaps their memory has escaped them, do you want to give us a quick snapshot of the original, the origin story of your clinic? And then we'll really dive into how you've progressed and grown over the last couple of years. But what's the origin story, mate? Yeah, Jack, the origin story of my clinic probably started in 2014. I'd just finished a stint of working in India as a physio, which is one of the highlights of my career and life, really. And I was looking at a job and I kind of got offered a position to work in an older style clinic with the thought of potentially buying this person out after six months or so. But to cut a very long story short, we realized very early in the piece that it wasn't just going to quite work out. We had very different philosophies for how we saw physio moving forward, which is absolutely fine. And essentially, we parted ways, but I took a job in the city because I needed work, but needed a place to work. So through mentorship, a good buddy of mine suggested that I start my clinic in my parents' granny flat. And that's what I did. I think that was in 2015. Mm, amazing. And then we crossed paths a couple of years after that and grew that solo operator granny flat clinic to a place where we were utilizing a bunch of students, both domestically and internationally, and eventually needed to hire some full-time team members and branch out into a standalone location, not just the granny flat. So talk us through that little season of when you went from kind of yourself and solo to hiring and then opening that first location. Yeah. And it was exactly what you said, Jack. It was really nice and a really good foundation to start. I had a student internship model, so I had a lot of experience of sort of mentoring students and they helped me at the operations and the system side of things. But 
I knew very, very early on I didn't want to be a sole trader for the rest of my life. And when I was ready to hire my first team member, I obviously considered that you couldn't hire your first team member in your parents' granny flat. So that was the idea to outreach and try and find a new space. And yeah, it actually took a fair bit of time to find that space. There was a lot of lessons along the journey, but I, I happened to stumble across an amazing opportunity where I was subleasing rooms from a dentist. So I got three rooms, about 50 square meters. And that was just at the end of 2019, start of 2020. From that, I was able to hire my first team member and hire my first admin lead. And of course, by the world <laughs> locked down with COVID <laughs> to that point. But that was sort of the transition to get from the granny flight to the home phone. There's a couple of threads that I want to pull on for the listeners. So we'll get to the location and those sorts of things setting up and subsequently we've moved from that original location. You mentioned the student internship model. Let's unpack that because I know there'd be plenty of listeners who are curious, especially in like this challenging, let's call it labor or, or employee supply environment. It's just hard to find good people. There's a shortage of therapists. How many students have you worked with over the years, do you reckon? Oh, but one of my tasks this year is to actually document so I know the exact number, mm-hmm. but I would say it'd be in the vicinity of almost 100. It'd be probably about 90, I'd say, over the journey. Yeah, it makes sense. It seemed like at one point there was two or three or four interns at a time, a couple Correct. of times per year, and not just local uni students on placement, right? We're talking students from all over the world. Correct. Yeah. And that was how I got into it. I have a wonderful mentor named Nick Stepkovich who introduced me to this wonderful model. And I love teaching and education and it just seemed to work well. Respectfully, I found the traditional model of five-week placements very limited from a practice point of view. You just get people up to speed and really engage in practice and you'd send them away. Whereas internships, we will get anyone from 12 to the longest I've had somebody's 22 weeks, which is incredible to be transparent. It's an unpaid internship, but I believe the value we provide on those, you know, I've got such wonderful feedback from my student interns and it's how I've been able to sustain this model for so many years because through word of mouth referrals, just like with wonderful clients, my inbox has been inundated with uh, application people wanting to come and do internships at YSP over the journey. Mm, Interesting. So I'm curious, what's evolved in your student model in the last couple of years particularly? What are you doing now that you're really proud of with students? Well, the pandemic sort of threw a spanner in the works because 99% of my students were international. That was really interesting because I had interns lined up for the whole of 2020 and at the drop of a hat, they got sent home. So that had to change and evolve. How it evolved was really interesting. I guess primarily what we did was we started recruiting Australian students. Let me just talk about the students for a second because I think this is important. I think some people might really appreciate this. I'm a physiotherapist by trade and run a physiotherapy clinic at large by trade. And we started by taking undergraduate exercise students before we took the physio students. And the reason I decided to do that, Jack, was early in my journey, I just felt I didn't have the confidence to to want to mental finally physio students and I just thought it'd be a nice step in the right direction to it that way and that worked really well and then as I progressed in the journey I would take some physio students and really appreciated that now when COVID happened and we couldn't take any international students we just had a lot of people looking for opportunity and someone who's ended up being my admin team lead now just fell upon my lap she hustled and put herself out there on a chat room on Facebook and then had a really common word of mouth contact, I guess. And she was an undergraduate exercise student just looking to complete her exercise hours. And I took her on and then I said, hang on, we're in lockdown. I'm not sure what we can give you. (laughs) But we were creative. And this is what I'm very proud of because in that time when we were completely closed for six weeks in 2020, we were doing stuff to get ready for reopening, including creating content, admin tasks, things like that. 
And to cut a very long story short, this, this wonderful person involved into becoming my first admin employee, mm-hmm. she's now gone into physiotherapy at the moment, and her role is continuing to evolve through YSP. And I really hope and look forward to the day when she works as a physio in the clinic as well. So to answer your first question, we've been taking Australian students and getting them on internship and then finding opportunities to actually have them in an employed capacity down the line for the right candidates. So that's how it's evolved. That's something I'm very proud of. Okay. So the student model kind of progresses towards an employed model. For those who perhaps haven't done a whole lot of student work or particularly outside of the university placement system, what are some of the ways we as clinic owners can maximize interns or students around the place? The wonderful thing about undergraduate exercise students who want to progress to physiotherapy is they're really hungry to learn. And as part of their hours, there are more things they are able to do. So they can really help with the running of the business. So for example, an exercise in my clinic would certainly primarily be in the consults with my physios, assisting a bit like an allied health assistant, assisting and helping the physios. But they'll also be helping with the social media, content creation, administration tasks. They will pick up phones from time to time. They'll do things like that. So in an environment where it's so hard to find hard employees and team members, I think the student model is a great way to sort of test the water. And as I'm proud to have shown, if you find the right candidate, you can simply offer them a job at the end of it. Yeah, great. Shift gears for us. Talk us through the journey of finding your first space, standalone space. My first standalone space. Yeah, it probably would have started probably early 2018, not long after I actually joined Clinic Mastery. And I realized very early on that I really wanted to grow a, a clinic that would hopefully one day run without me, which is so interesting that I've just come back as the time of the recording from a two-week holiday where the clinic has run completely without me. Mm. So even in itself, that's a wonderful little reflection. I understood that I couldn't do it for my parents' granny flat, as I mentioned earlier, so I knew I had to look. It took about a year (laughs) to find the space, and I probably wasn't looking every day as diligently as some people I've spoken to now have, but there was a lot of negotiating with certain places. I, I remember one place that I went to look for didn't have many applications. And I think the real estate agents were really relieved when I was looking at getting it because I think they only had some applications from how do I put it, some dodgy matches for such parlors. I thought maybe that's not the most appropriate place to go. But I was very lucky when I found the space after a year of looking. And I remember finding the space on a Friday, meeting the landlord who was the dentist who I was subleasing from, talking to him and putting an offer on the Monday, and it happened very quickly after that. So yes, it took a year, maybe even 18 months to find the space, but when I found it, mm-hmm. it moved nice and quickly. When you reflect on that period from when you moved in, what are some of the things that you look back and you go, I'm glad I did that? What did you do in those early couple of weeks and months? I'm really glad I picked the location that I did. What was it about the location? Yeah. So I've started from a home-based clinic in my parents' granny flat where I paid minimal overheads. So Naturally, when I was looking for my first space, I was thinking I want a standalone space where I can build my space and go there. But I think it would have been a step too soon to have found a place that was significantly close to home, 400 meters door to door. So I didn't lose many clients to a beautiful, established, pretty modern dental clinic and to have rooms that just gave it a great feel. So everything was established and ready to go. I think that's what I was very proud of. There were minimal overheads to set up. I didn't have to build the clinic. I just had to fit it out a little bit. So it was a really nice, natural step. There's a key yeah. lesson in that, I think, for listeners who are just starting out or in their early stages. If we zoom out, the key principle here is that cash flow is king or queen, that cash is oxygen. And for you to pick a location that meant it wasn't going to affect your caseload much, meant we could maintain cash. For you to pick a location that was the bones of it were fitted out, you just need to do some superficial stuff, meant that 
cash flow wasn't drained too much and you could keep cash high, which uh, no doubt kept you in good stead through the impending storm of COVID. So maybe mate, paint us a picture of what does your clinic look like now in terms of facility and space and team? Yeah. So I couldn't agree with you more, Jack. And to anyone starting off, I think that was a principle I've relied upon my whole career. But this has been the biggest jump that I've made. And now I've gone from a 50 square meter three room. I was very lucky enough to find a space 25 meters from my old location. So everything's been very close on the same side of the road, same strata as well, which has been fantastic, which is 150 square meters, three treatment rooms, which I built and a fully functional gym set up as well. I now have a team of myself and two other physios, a massage therapist who doubles into admin and a casual admin team member as well. So we've grown now to a team of six and yeah, very proud to have done what we've done over the journey. So that's where we're at right at this stage. Awesome, mate. And I know that a couple of those hires came in between locations as well. So why don't you paint us a picture of what an average week looks like for you? How much are you, say, seeing patients and on the tools? How much are you spending with your team? How much are you spending on the business? However you want to break it down. In the other location, I was probably consulting a little bit less than I am right now. I yeah. think the COVID landscape just allowed for that. I haven't gone into a new space. And as we've talked about cash is king, I felt the need to just go on the tools a little bit more help with that. So we're probably consulting about 30 hours a week, probably mentoring the team another five hours a week and five hours a week for admin and tasks like that. It's a key point there, I think, too, that being a clinic owner means you've got the freedom to be able to pull those levers to be on the tools or off the tools as your business demands that you're not kind of trapped as it were. So talk us through that shift to go from roughly 50 to 150 square meters in space. And you mentioned building some of those rooms and a bigger fit out. What was your experience like in that move? That's an experience that I'm happy I've gone through now, but at the time there were just so many learnings and blessings and yeah, I'm really glad to be on the other end of that and I've signed a long-term lease, so hopefully I'm going to have to do that anytime soon again, touch wood, but I'll be ready if I do. I think the biggest thing is going back to your point at the start, I'm really glad and this is a really important lesson for anyone early in the journey that I didn't jump straight into this space from the granny flat. I think that's a very important point. Because if I was in this space during the peak of a pandemic, it would be a very different situation to what I was able to navigate. And just to be transparent, you know, I was able to not only keep my team, but grow my team from 20 to 2022 during a mm-hmm. pandemic, which is something that I'm very proud of. Absolutely. So the first thing is, I guess, in learning underestimated just how much energy it takes to facilitate building a new clinic and all the things that go into that. And anyone that's going through that, I'd be so happy to lend an ear to if they ever want to chat to me. But just from finding the space, which we found in November 2021, we actually started operating out of there in July 2022. So that's almost Mm -hmm. seven months. But that's pretty standard from talking to people. Yeah, that's not fast, but it's not slow either. And just from everything from finding the space, the lease negotiation to the fit out. So, I mean, I can, you can pull on any thread you like here, but there were a lot of lessons along the journey, which are so important just to consider. And I think if I can summarize it really succinctly into what I'd suggest is actually just the ability to slow down and talk to your mentors and sort of make decisions one by one. I think it's so important because so much stuff gets thrown at you. And by the way, you're still running a business, consulting full-time, nurturing your team. It was really interesting. Mm-hmm. When you look back, what would you do differently? slow down. Yeah. First things first, I was a little bit unlucky that when we found the space, it was just after the first Omicron outbreak, which seems like a lifetime ago. So it was an industry where 
with the building industry, they were so flat chat, no one would even return my calls, you know, and, and that's how the market was. So I was just making decisions with not much ability to compare quotes and do things like that. That's really interesting. So a really simple thing is really to try and get as much information as you can. So when you go forward with a builder, you know that that's the right person. Sure. Because um, things take longer than you expect, ultimately. Much longer than you expect. And the other thing is just really lean on your mentors and really slow down and listen to them. I think that's what's really important. What is um, it about mentors that's helpful through that process? I think the most important thing for me was I've been through things like this before. Sure. And I think when mentors have runs on the board, I think it just really helps in the way they guide you through it. I hope to one day be able to mentor other business owners as I've spoke to you about personally, Jack. And I think the experiences that I've been through over the past year, I think will put me in a really good place to be able to help people who are going through similar journeys. It's a really good point. You know, I think one of the things about going through something for the first time is that everything is a shock and everything's new. And having mentors in your life, in your business, which you've clearly got, I've got as well, and we would encourage everyone to have, means that a mentor, as distinct from a coach, a mentor has the experience that you're seeking. And so where something like for you, a build and a fit out was new, a new experience, it's not a new experience for a mentor. I think about it. And for those listening who have got kids, you think about the first child, everything is new. (laughs) And like, oh, their temperature is high. Should I take them to the hospital? You don't know. Like, oh, there's something wrong. What do I do? And come the second or the third child, it's not a new experience. It's still as challenging. It's just not new. And so that's where mentors can be really helpful is that it's not a new experience for them, though it is for you. So the building stuff aside, Ives, talk to us about the team stuff. So you're hiring a number of team members through COVID and through that yep. Omicron wave, as you mentioned, and people being yep. sick and isolated. And What's that journey been like for you? Oh, it's been a journey. <laughs> um, I've been very lucky, particularly with my physios. I have two other very loyal physios who have now been with me two years and three years and have just shotgunned through this period and have been able to nestle going through the highs and lows of being busy and clinic, not so busy, lockdowns and things like that. And I think... Again, I'm very proud in the way I've been able to recruit them. A wonderful friend in my life tells a story about how he went to a restaurant and he saw so many people serving at the restaurant and he just said, how what a great experience it was. And he went up to the owner and said, how do you decide who works here? And the owner just pointed him and goes, I see if they have heart, they have heart. That's all that matters to me. And mm-hmm. it's not that simplistic. We know that. <laughs> um, but in its essence, I think I feel like I've been very lucky to have had some wonderful people who have heart who've been with us through the journey. And as I was just talking to them recently, you know, I think we're on the precipice of being able to really reward them for all the efforts and their loyalty through that time. So I'm very proud of that. Mm-hmm. I think it would be reasonable to say there's an underlying anxiety in all of us to varying degrees, but an underlying anxiety that team members could leave at any point, right? So talk to us about perhaps what you think you've done well to nurture and retain those team members for two and three years now. You know, that's no mean feat. Well, it doesn't mean that I don't still worry about them leaving tomorrow. One of my strengths, it can also be a false amount sometimes, is I'm pretty what you see is what you get personality. And with that, I am willing to be super vulnerable with my team in terms of how I'm feeling and what's going on. And I think that transparency, I think, has ran through with the team and it's hopefully created a culture where we foster pretty good communication. I'm not by no means perfect, but if you're asking if there's any little secret source that I think has helped with retention, I think it's just being super transparent. Mm-hmm. Brene Brown clear is kind about situations that we're going through. 
And I really am just a big believer in wonderful team culture. I've been inspired by the CM community. I've done a lot of work with Tristan White, the Culture is Everything guru, and I just love working in Brum where people look forward to coming to work. So it's where I try to foster and create. You know, we do two team retreats a year, not one. That's Mm -hmm. something that we do a bit different, but I put a lot of resources and a lot of energy into making sure they're amazing. But I don't think it's anything more than that honest, clear communication and being genuine and real. What are some of the pragmatics or the practicalities of that communication? Are you meeting regularly as a team or one-on-one? Are you using video message or Slack or Zoom? Or what does that look like? Yeah, look, I think just as the business owner prioritizing that one-to-one time, okay. I think it's just super important. We've gone through different rhythms, but we do have rhythms in place with all the stuff you've talked about. We don't do much Zoom anymore, thankfully, only because yeah. we're all <laughs> nice and close. But in terms of we still use Slack, we schedule in structured times. But I think fundamentally, sometimes I found during the tough times, just sitting down and having no clear agenda and just using these bad boys. Sure. Which really is really ears for those yeah, listening. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you, Jack. Sorry. Yeah. I was pointing to my ears. Um, yeah, just, just listening, I think, has been a big part of the success. And I think when I've been struggling with my team members, sometimes I've noted that that hasn't been happening. So during the build, during some of the stresses of the lease negotiation, things like that, I yep. wasn't doing that as well. So we're at a place now with two or three therapists, two or three admin team. We've got a nice big space with rooms and gyms and all the things, all the shiny objects. And I know you've got some classes cracking along, et cetera. What's next? But how do you think about what's next? This was the dream clinic from when I joined Clinic Mastery. So it's really crazy to think about what's next clinic wise sometimes. What's next is I truly believe I have a, a clinic or a space that I can grow into. Mm. So I didn't get a space where I'd be at capacity straight away. So I don't mind saying that right now, I mean, you know, I feel like I'm in startup phase again to a certain extent, building new systems, new procedures, trying to fill the books, doing stuff that I did so well when I moved mm-hmm. to the last space. So what's next immediately is just trying to build that um, sustainable clinic. But what excites me then is to start to do what I truly want to do was to have the clinic as a vehicle for all the other ambitions I have in my career. And that's what truly excites me because now I feel like I've got the framework. I've just got to set up a few more systems and I'm almost at a place where I can do some of those things, which truly excites me. It's exciting, mate. So you mentioned to kind of fill in the books and continue to get more new clients over time, team members as well, I'd imagine. Yeah, absolutely. That'll be a big part of this year as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, a lot of exciting projects in the works for sure. Mm, I like it. Awesome, mate. Well, if people wanted to perhaps have a look and watch along with your journey, what are perhaps some of the social medias of your clinic? And then personally, maybe what's your LinkedIn or that for people to track you down? Yeah, the best point of call at Physio, I've spelt Y-V-E-S for those playing at home and Y-S Physio on my Instagram are probably the two best places to connect. We love developing good content and love engaging with it. So that's probably the best bet. Or just my LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on these days. Pipes uh, Silvera. I'd love to be in touch. And yeah, if anyone resonates with my journey and would love some guidance or advice about what I've done, I'm certainly so happy to talk about it. I've had so many people, I think after the last podcast, reach out to talk about particularly my student internship model. And now's a great time to talk to other clinic owners about that because now that we do have open borders again and there is a bit more normality to the landscape around international travel, it's a great opportunity to look at those things. And one thing I'll be looking at going forward is to look at how those international interns can come back and become team employees. So that's something on my list for the end of the year as well. Awesome, mate. Listeners, we'll make sure we link up those Instagram handles and LinkedIn URLs in the show notes over at clinicmastery.com forward slash podcast. That's where you'll be able to get all those. Ives, 
parting words of wisdom as we land this plane, what would you say to... I'm going to pick two different types of clinic owners. Number one, those in startup solo mode, yep. any words of wisdom, and then uh, any words of wisdom for those in maybe more the scale-up phase and looking to take their team from a small team to a growing team. I think for the startup people, please run your own mace and that comparison is the thief of joy. I got a lot of ridicule from people from starting my clinic in a granny fat. I mean ridicule and it took a lot of thinking to get through that period, but I'm so proud for them out now. So run your race and the results are there. In startup phase, just don't underestimate how important a conversation with your team member, what a difference it can make. When it feels like the proverbial hitting the fan, your team are going to be the people that are going to be there to support you, to help you build your, your clinic. So don't underestimate how important it is just to have a conversation. Super. Well, thank you, mate. I'm sure there'll be plenty of people getting lots out of today's chat. I'm really excited to see where your clinic's journey and your personal journey progresses in future. And perhaps we'll get you on the podcast in again in 12 months or so and, and update listeners where things are at. But otherwise, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast, mate. Thank you, Jack. Uh, and have a great day, everyone. Cheers. Listeners, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate your attention. As always, head over to clinicmastery.com slash podcast for the show notes, links, etc. And if you would be so kind as to leave us a honest review and rating on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, wherever you're listening to this podcast, it really helps feed the algorithms and gives us a bit of feedback. So head over there, please rate and review, or you can get in touch with me directly, jack at clinicmastery.com. Otherwise, Thanks for listening and I look forward to bringing you another episode of the Grow Your Clinic podcast again really soon. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in to the Grow Your Clinic podcast. To find out more about past episodes or how we can help you, head to www.clinicmastery.com forward slash podcast and please remember to rate and review us on your podcast player of choice. See you on the next episode.